Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, we continue our Not In There series with a look at the incorrect statement, God will not give you more than you can handle. Let's listen. God won't give you more than you can handle. That stays incorrect statement. That's not a statement that's found in the Bible, but be honest. You think it's in there, right? Like it sounds like it should be in there somewhere that God won't give you more than you can handle. There's actually a verse that's similar, but different in an important way. And I think when people say that, God won't give you more than you can handle, I think they're thinking of this verse. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Here's what Paul says. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. The focus of this verse is temptation. Yes, God is not saying that God won't give you more than you can handle in general in all of life. Rather, it's in the temptations of life that God will never give you a temptation so great that you are forced to succumb to that temptation, which is great. Because on Halloween night, when I put my kids to bed and their bags of candy are just so big, I know there's no way they're going to get to eat all of those. I'm tempted to go, oh, maybe I'll just rifle through, see what candy I like that they won't ever notice is not there anymore. It's good to know in those moments that, hey, there's no temptation so great that I will be powerless. No, God always provides a way to endure, to endure that temptation. Now, we all face temptations in life for things that are not healthy for us. I don't have to name those for you. You know what they are, and they're probably different for each one of us. But in every temptation, God will provide a way out. I loved in the children's message when uh, Miss Karen was talking about cheating in school, and she said, should you do that? And one of the kids went, would you do that? (laughs) That's how temptation works. We know, oh, I shouldn't do that. Uh, But if no one's watching, I'm really going to want to go and do that. So I think what Paul is saying is that, no, in, in every time, when you feel the beginning of that temptation in your heart, remember God. Maybe even remember this verse. And this verse begins by saying God is faithful. And God will be faithful to you in that moment of temptation. But you know what? We're not really talking about temptation today. We're talking about this idea that God won't give you more than you can handle. And I'm interested in, when we remember that verse, why we leave out temptation. That God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. Because it really changes the whole verse, doesn't it? When we leave out that word temptation. It changes it from simply God helping us in times when we're tempted to God saying, no, in all aspects of life, you will never be given more than you can handle. I don't believe that's what Paul was saying. Honestly, life will often give you more than you can handle on your own. I mean, there are times 
when you will deal with things in life that are just so hard. They are so, so challenging. And God did not design you to get through those things all by yourself, relying completely on your own strength. Instead, I believe that we must lean on God and on the community of faith to get us through those most hard times of life. So that's what I want to explore today. And to further explore that topic, I want to study what Paul said a little bit later in his letter to the Corinthians. So here's a little bit of context before we jump ahead two chapters. The context for what we're about to read is that in Paul's day, religious leaders often found their authority or their credibility by boasting about their spiritual experiences. We don't really do that today, or hopefully we don't. But in this circle, your amount of credibility as a scholar or a Bible teacher could be connected to the types of experiences you had with God, your own spiritual experiences. And so this group of leaders were looking at Paul and they were insulting him, saying, hey, you've not had these sorts of spiritual experiences. Now, you might teach about God, but we don't think you've really had an authentic, vibrant understanding, experience, relationship with God. And so Paul decides to tell them about one of his most mystical spiritual experiences. We are going to go for a ride today as we hear from Paul in his own words as he describes this experience. Okay, so this is how we're setting up the conversation of God won't give you more than you can handle. Here's how Paul begins. And Paul is describing himself in the third person. Okay, so he's talking about himself. Paul says, I know a person, it's himself, I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Okay, when you and I speak about death and we speak about an afterlife, we often talk about heaven. And yet I don't think any of us talks about the third heaven. And yet when Paul's speaking about his spiritual experience, he lifts up This time when he says, I was lifted up, I was caught up to the third heaven, to which we all go, huh? What does Paul mean when he says this? Now, in Paul's time period, there was rampant speculation about what heaven must be like. Honestly, a little bit like today, when we go, oh, what must heaven be like? Is it like this or or is it like this? They did the same thing in Paul's day. And some people thought that there were levels to heaven. Some Jewish scholars, you can still read their writings, even thought they knew how many levels to heaven. Paul simply talks about a third heaven or a third level of heaven. But he doesn't give any more indication of what he means. There's no details here. So my advice to you is is don't try to read too much into another person's spiritual experience. Instead, let's just let Paul speak and let's follow him on his journey. And so in his journey, he speaks of being lifted up into heaven. Here's what he says next. He says, whether I was in my own body or out of my body, I don't know. 
Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. I do not, or I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. So Paul's describing this spiritual experience, and even he is at a loss for words, at, at being able to adequately describe what happened. He doesn't even know, was he still in his physical body? Did God transport him somewhere? Or was this more like an out-of-body experience? He doesn't know. And he says, I heard things. I heard things when I was in paradise, things that are, are too mysterious, too beautiful to even re recount or relay now. Again, Paul is not giving us many details because the spiritual experience itself is not the point. The, the details is not the point. Instead, Paul is building up to the point that he wants to make, and here's what comes next. He says that experience, so the one he just recounted, that is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. Okay, wait a second. Paul is with these spiritual leaders. He's trying to build up his credibility in front of them, so he speaks of this incredible mystical experience, and then at the crescendo he says, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to boast about that. Instead, he's going to boast about his weaknesses. Now, we all have weaknesses, but generally we do not boast about them, do we? For instance, one of my weaknesses that is pointed out by those who love me is that I'm one of the least observant people in the world. Like, my wife Sarah will say, hey, will you go get the ketchup from the fridge? And I'll be eager to help. Like, Absolutely. And so I open the fridge and I'll, I'll be looking, and I'll be, I'll be looking, and she'll give me about 30 seconds. And then she says, it's in the bottom left corner. I go, oh, thank you. And I'll look down there, and, and I'll look, and I never come back with the ketchup. I mean, my, my heart is in the right place, but I just can't find things. No, I would say that, that is one of my weaknesses. And I'm never going to boast about that. You all have parts of your life where you go, ooh, yeah, that's a part of me, but I, I'm not really going to, you know, shine the spotlight on that part of my life. Oftentimes, those parts of our life that we consider weaknesses, well, well, we'll do other things with them. We try to hide them or we overcompensate for them. I mean, how often have you tried to hide the things in your life that you don't want other people to see? You try to hide your weaknesses and pretend that they're not there, which is not a great solution because they're still there, aren't they? But you're just going, no, no, you don't see this part of me. I'm going to push this off to the side. And honestly, it, it tries to then create the illusion that we don't have weaknesses, which is not helpful to others who are watching you and looking at your life. And it's not helpful to yourself either. Or we try to overcompensate for them. We, we point to our strengths instead. We say, well, but look how good I am at this thing in my life. Yeah, don't, don't worry about that weakness. 
I'm pushing that off to the side. Look at this. This is where I really shine. Paul is proposing something very different here. He's saying don't overcompensate. Don't diminish your weaknesses. Instead, Paul is boasting in his weakness. Why is he doing that? We're going to find out in just a second. But before we get there, the passage gets a little bit more strange. I mean, as if talk of a third heaven wasn't strange enough, we go down the rabbit hole a little bit more. So Paul says, to keep me from becoming proud, proud of having this spiritual experience, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Books have been written to speculate on what this thorn in his flesh was. What was this experience? Was it, some wonder, a physical illness that Paul dealt with in his later years, especially after he wrote this? Or was it something like a speech impediment? There are many theories out there on what this thorn in his flesh really was. The simple answer is we have no idea. We have no idea, but what he wants the reader to understand is that Paul had a weakness that he could not get rid of. And that weakness was a part of him every day of his life. And he did not want it to be there. I wonder, is there a part of your life, something that is visible to you at least every single day that you wish was not there? that you wish was not a part of your daily experience? If so, you can probably relate to Paul here. But Paul goes on. He says, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. But he said to me, and this is the really crucial part of this whole conversation, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. All right, let's break this down. So three times, Paul went to God in prayer. And Paul says he begged God, take this away from me. I don't want this thorn in my side. I don't want this weakness. I don't want this suffering. God, take this away. And three times, the response that Paul got from God was no. No. And instead, God simply said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That really is the crux, I think, of why Paul is sharing this spiritual experience. And so I want to break down those two sentences, starting with the second one. How is God's power made perfect in weakness? Well, let's start with the obvious. This is a paradox, isn't it? I mean, our world does not celebrate weakness. No, we celebrate power. We celebrate strength. Those are the things that our society values. But it appears that God's kingdom is different than this. That in God's kingdom, it is in your weakness that God asks you to follow. Why is this so? I believe that when a person acknowledges their weaknesses, it's then that the power of God 
can more freely flow through them. You, you see, what happens is that you acknowledge that, that the full humanity of who you are, where you say to God, God, you know me, and you know that I'm a combination of strengths and weaknesses. You know I'm a combination of things that I'm proud of and things that I wish were not a part of my life. And you offer all of that to God. Instead of trying to hide a part of who you are, instead of trying to overcompensate for a part of who you are, you simply offer yourself and say, God, I'm willing to follow just as I am. What happens when you do that? I think you become a more whole person because you're accepting the whole person instead of becoming so fragmented by trying to suppress or get rid of the parts of yourself that you do not like. God asks us to follow with all of who we are. And so the times in your life when you have nothing left, when you are physically or spiritually exhausted, when your tank is empty, sometimes those are the moments that you can hear God most acutely. So when Paul was weak, God was strong. I wonder if we can personalize that for ourselves. When I am weak, God is strong. Now, that's the first part of this, that God's power works through our weaknesses. But the first part is equally important. When, when God says to Paul, and my grace is sufficient for you. Now, the Greek word for sufficient is archaeo, and it means enough. It means to be fully satisfied. It means to be completely content. So for Paul, all he needed in all of his life was found in God. There was no need to, to boast or, or become prideful about anything, because ultimately his deepest longings were founding their fulfillment in the grace of God. God's grace truly was enough. There was nothing more he needed. Which means that in your life, if you have the grace of God, then you have enough. There's nothing more that you truly need. And it's in this grace that we can rely on God, even in our weaknesses. Yes, in your weakness, in your frailty, the grace of God surrounds and abounds. I wonder if a word picture would help with this. I want you to picture your life as, as a dirt road. It's a dry and, and dusty road, and, and you're walking down it, and, and you're seeing potholes in your life. And you're, those potholes are maybe the, the places that you would say, those are my weaknesses. Those are the things that I don't really enjoy. Those are the things that I wish weren't there. And then I picture the grace of God coming like a river, and it just flows through that dry and dusty road. The living water that fills in those potholes, that fills in the parts of our life that we just cannot figure out on our own, and it completely consumes. That's an image that I have when I read that my grace is sufficient for you, meaning my grace is all that you need. The conclusion that Paul drew from this, I think, is quite helpful. So here's Paul's summary of all that he just experienced. He says, So I will boast 
all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. So will God give you more than you can handle? Absolutely, God will. Life is hard, and you are not supposed to be able to handle it all on your own. But in your weakness, in your pain, in the challenges of life, in the potholes of life, God's grace is sufficient for you. God's power will be at work in your weakness. And so in those times that you go through and you say, God, this is more, this is beyond what I can handle, my encouragement for you, based on what we studied today, is to go directly to God, to dwell in God's grace, and to find your strength there. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.